0: Welcome to River City 360: Views and News from around Winnipeg. I'm Robert Zirk filling in this week for Nolan Bicknell. Our C 360s broadcast every Sunday morning at 8:30 a.m, right here on CJNU. A project of the Winnipeg Foundation, we provide views and news from around Winnipeg every single week. Sharing stories that matter to our community is our promise to you, our listeners. We're able to bring you this weekly show thanks to our partners at Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. On today's show, how can we benefit from more walkable neighborhoods? We'll find out from some of the What's Our Walkability panelists. Later in the program, I'll take you on a Jane's Walk, and we'll meet with the walk leaders, Winsbridgeman and Marcella Poirier, to talk about the accessibility and inclusiveness of some of our downtown public spaces. And we'll find out about the latest in citizen journalism this week from Noah Ehrenberg, convener of Community News Commons. All this plus some great music right here on River City 360. Last week, Community News Commons held the What's Our Walkability panel discussion. It was a well-attended event that sparked some really great discussion about how walkable Winnipeg is and why it matters to us. Sheila Graham is the Healthy Built Environment Specialist at the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, and at the discussion, she addressed our city's walkability from a healthcare perspective.
1: Everyone's been telling you for years that walking is good for you, why don't you do more of it? And of course people have a lot of reasons why they're not walking more, why they're not getting physical activity. And we've found that... It's gotten to the point where 40% of Manitobans are physically inactive, meaning they don't get at least 150 minutes of physical activity every week. And physical activity is a risk factor for a lot of chronic diseases, and that's really where we're seeing an increase in people being unhealthy. So it, it's things like diabetes and cancer and heart disease and. Those have really big health care costs, in fact, in 2008, the Heart and Stroke Foundation estimated that the impact of physical inactivity and overweight obesity was more than a hundred million dollars for that year alone. So that's really important and something that the health system really needs to figure out how to manage.
2: So it actually costs us money as a society if we don't walk?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, do, you save money yourself by not having to drive everywhere, right. but it also saves the system a lot of money if we can all be a bit healthier.
0: But despite those benefits, most of our neighborhoods are far more car-friendly than they are pedestrian-friendly. Is that a sign that people would rather drive their cars instead of walk? Beth McKechnie at the Green Action Center disagrees.
3: To me, the important thing is that people were asked, are you interested in walking or cycling more? Because okay. that's really it. I mean, you can't judge the need for a bridge by the number of people swimming across the river. Right. Uh, so it's a matter of looking at it in terms of not what are we doing now, but what do people want to do if, if the situation was such that they could do it.
2: Hmm. Yeah. So given the choice, maybe the majority of us would prefer to walk.
3: You know, I I think it's ingrained. It's it's just part of who we are as people. We have the, these appendages for a specific reason. Right. And we feel better. We've talked a lot about physical health, but mental health is right. a huge part of it as well.
0: Matt Caro, organizer of Jane's Walk Winnipeg, also talked about the social benefits of walking. When Beth was talking, I was thinking about an aspect to this, which is about civility and like sociability. You know, when you're walking, you see other people, and you're sort of forced to you know have a relationship with those people and understand those people or or make attempts to understand people and you bump into people that you know you bump into people you don't know you you know there's always the possibility that you could meet someone make a friend make a connection so how can we improve the walkability of our neighborhoods Sheila Graham stressed the importance of our decision-making and how it can influence changes.
1: Most of my job at the health authority is actually talking to the planners and the engineers and really trying to find out how can we make our neighborhoods. So some of us here are saying we want this, we want things to be like this. So we're really trying to say, okay, what are the bylaws? What are the, the regulations that might be challenging to creating these neighborhoods? Um, so we're We're working on that. I encourage, like you say, everyone to get involved in that. A big part of it is that we need to ask for different things. So when you're voting, when you're buying a house, when you're building a house, when you're making really any decision, (laughs) really think about the message you're sending by making that decision. Are you asked by doing X, are you asking for something that you want or are you unintentionally asking for more of the same?
0: Finally, Sheila explained why walkability is such an important issue for us to think about and discuss.
1: We simply cannot keep going forward the way that we are. I hate to play this card, but our health budget is going to steal all the budgets from yeah. all the rest of things because people really seem to care about that healthcare budget. So if we keep having to treat more and more cancer and diabetes and heart disease, and we will still have to do some of that. But if we can make some changes to our built environment that will help to reduce those costs in the long term, then we can have money to do all these other fun things that we also want to do.
0: That was Sheila Graham. She's the Healthy Built Environment Specialist at the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, and that audio was recorded at the What's Our Walkability panel on April 30th. Just a quick note, several days after the panel took place, the City of Winnipeg announced a $330 million plan to encourage active transportation in our city. You can read that full story on Community News Commons at cncwpg.org. So earlier we heard from Matt Corot, who organized Jane's Walk, which took place last weekend in Winnipeg. It was a really beautiful weekend, so hopefully you had the chance to go out and enjoy one or more of the walks. I myself went on a Jane's Walk last Friday, and here's a short piece I put together from that walk.
3: What is our walk today? It's called It Starts at City Hall. Accessibility, Universal Design, and Inclusive Urban Planning. We're going to look at City Hall, and we're going to look at the Courtyard. I'm going to walk on over to Old Market Square. We're going to think about how accessible that walk is. We're going to think about the relationship of the courtyard to the urban planning. And then we're going to go to a third courtyard beside the Patterson Global Foods Institute, each one doing a scorecard on accessibility.
0: Our first destination was the courtyard between the two buildings at City Hall.
3: Some people might have a mobility impairment, but some people have a visual impairment or a hearing impairment, we could hardly hear each other on that front street because it's very loud. So if you ha- were a person who had a hearing difficulty and a visual impairment, there are some perilous aspects up there. When we look at this courtyard, we see, or I see, because I- I'm able to perceive this, visually it's- differentiated stone, light, dark, red. The problem I see with that is it doesn't all have meaning. So we have invested in design for the sake of aesthetic. When we invest in design, communication, and information systems must consider not just the design for aesthetic, but how we use things like the differentiation of brick color to give relevant pertinent information. So how do we do it? It's complex.
0: Marcella then asked us to rate, on a scale of one to five, with five being the top marks, the accessibility of the City Hall Courtyard. Most of the walk participants gave it a three. Good, but with room for improvement. Next, we walked with Marcella and Wins to Old Market Square.
4: As we look around this courtyard, it really does remind me of Jane Jacobs. Here we have people gathering, people watching each other, eyes on the street from the windows everywhere, and it feels very safe. What are some of the weaknesses or tensions in this courtyard? We look over here and see cars. Is that area a courtyard or is that area a a parking area? How do people know when they've traveled from one area into another? A shared level of communication is really important
0: in an environment. As with the courtyard at City Hall, most of the walk participants rated Old Market Square a 3. Our final stop was the courtyard next to the Red River College, Patterson Global Foods Institute.
4: Now this is the, the simplest of all the three courtyards we looked at, in that there, is, there are no changes of level, it's all at one level, when we would go into the Patterson Global Foods, if we're going in for the cafe, it's more or less at the same grade. Now that was something that was circumstantial, but just the same, we're saying it's it's an advantage. So oddly, Although this is the simplest and the least number of dollars have been spent on this, we know that this courtyard is tremendously flexible for all kinds of uses. And I think that's a really important thing.
0: Those were some highlights from It Starts at City Hall, a Jane's Walk led by Wins Bridgman and Marcella Poirier of Bridgman Collaborative Architecture. Coming up after the break, Wins and Marcella will join me here in studio to talk about accessibility and inclusiveness in our public spaces and why it's important for everyone. You're listening to River City 360.
5: Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time, had a long time ago. Think about funk, about your work. Sunshine, saying a little sunshine song. La 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 deo. Whether the weather be rain or snow, pretending can make it real. A snowy pasture, a green and grassy field. Walking in the sunshine, saying a little sunshine song. Put a smile of Faces if there's nothing wrong Think about a good time Had a long time ago Think about marketing About your worries and your woes Walking in the sunshine Sing a little sunshine song A green and grassy field Walking in the sunshine Sing a little sunshine song Put a smile upon your faces If there's nothing wrong Think about a good time Had a long time ago Think about talking about your worries And your woes Walking in the sunshine Sing a little sunshine song Sunshine singing, a sunshine song.
0: Welcome back to River City 360, and I'm now joined by Wins Bridgman, the Principal Director, and Marcella Poirier, the Managing Director of Bridgman Collaborative Architecture, and we'll talk about the Jane's Walk that you just heard some highlights from. So thank you both for joining me today.
3: Thanks for having us.
0: How did you get involved with Jane's Walk, and what made you interested in this series of walks?
3: Two years ago, we were approached by Matt Cerro to conduct our first Jane's Walk. There was an idea that the walk was about architecture, and we took that idea and decided to make it about the urban experience along with an important building that we participated on, uh, Nietzsche Commons, which is right on the corner of Maine and Euclid. We,
4: We were
6: interested in trying to describe parts of the city that we could walk through that would tell us something essential about the city.
3: We started just to in a very basic way, Rob. The year I started my planning degree at the University of Manitoba was the year that Jane Jacobs passed and it sparked in me a great interest in how a person with no what we would call formal education in urban planning, she was a journalist, could really participate in actively shaping the way people thought about their cities.
0: What would you say is a good example, either a building or a public space, that is a good example of accessibility and inclusivity?
3: I'd like to go to Market Square because it was highly imperfect. If uh, you attended the walk, you'll know that the redesign of Old Market Square took three tries to really hear the voices of what was needed to meet complex, multiple needs for an inclusive space. I like it for that very reason that it wasn't perfect. There were efforts made to improve it at every stage, and the idea is we have to keep listening to each other and making those incremental improvements. Old Market Square is a vibrant fantastically activated public space. So I love that example. Wins, you might have another.
6: Well, in the same way, the City Hall Courtyard is imperfect, and yet it creates a situation that many people can use that courtyard. In the group, we noticed all kinds of things that were imperfect. There was a question, why are there steps in the first place? Why is it that we cannot easily go from one area of the courtyard to another without any hindrance? Why do we need to create ramps in the first place? These are important questions, and I think that when we hear our friends who have disabilities, we understand the rage in which people will feel when they are unable to easily participate in civic
3: events.
0: What are some other ways that we can improve the overall accessibility of our walkable neighborhoods in Winnipeg?
3: It starts with the way we think about inclusion, Robert. Every person, and you don't need to understand perfectly universal design and the physical barriers, can ask themselves, how inclusive is my place of business? Can people get in the door? Can people look me in the eye when placing an order? How are people able to participate in the workplace together? Just some basic questions about how we connect with each other as human beings is the place to start. Another great thing to do, we know Bill 26 is a, is about to be passed into legislature. This is the Accessibility for Manitobans Act. Read it. Self-educate. The more people that engage with the framework that is going to guide the way we think about universal design, the better. Self-education, that's what I say.
0: And as you mentioned on the walk, it's so important. One in six Manitobans have a disability, and you had mentioned that that number is going up to one in five. How do you think that this will factor into the future of Winnipeg?
3: Whenever there is a major change to the way we think about design and construction, there are people who highlight the cost implications and that can be cited as a barrier. The way we think about and think creatively about inclusion is going to be our greatest design challenge in the next 10 years. So. All of us, designers, business owners, community workers, this is going to be our story for the next decade. And it's the right time to have the conversation. The fine line between ability and disability is so smudged. A person's ability to participate one way can change in a moment. And that's how we have to think.
6: The avenues, courtyards, and streets of our city are the things that are most permanent and most defining of who we are. The buildings will change over time. There will be many things that happen inside each building, but it is the connective tissue that we have together, which is the public space, and we owe it to each other to constantly be asking ourselves the questions and asking each other the questions of how can we make it easiest for us to be able to share together this great element that we have, our city, the great way we communicate to one another the public spaces of our city, the great ways that we are able to move from one area to another and meet other people in our community. Again, the public spaces of our city. That is our future.
3: And planners and designers have responsibilities professionally. One of those responsibilities is to listen. So when there is real advocacy about challenges in a design, it's our job to not only know the framework and the rules, but to hear people as they're experiencing that built environment.
0: Great. So thank you again very much, uh, Wins and Marcella, for joining me today. A pleasure. Thank you. Coming up, we'll hear from Noah Ehrenberg, convener of Community News Commons. But first, here's Ray Anthony with My Kind of Town, right here on River City 360. And we're back on River City 360. Every week, we like to take a quick look at some of the stories that community reporters are telling on the virtual pages of Community News Commons, or CNC. CNC is the citizen journalism website and project that's supported by the Winnipeg Foundation, and one of the partners that, along with the Winnipeg Foundation, CJNU, helped develop River City 360. Noah Ehrenberg is the convener of Community News Commons, and he joins me now. Noah, welcome to River City 360. Thanks. It's uh, great to be here. So what's on the minds of some of our local citizen reporters this week? Well, there's uh, quite a few interesting stories that I think our listeners would be
2: interested in reading. And if they want to check out the site, they just have to go to Community News Commons. Just Google that or... Go to cncwpg.org. And uh, when they go there, they'll see a, a great little story by Joan Suzuki, who's an educator here in Winnipeg, called Building Bridges in Canada's Most Racist City. And essentially, Joan, who teaches in Seven Oaks School Division, told the story of some students there who attend Maples Collegiate, where young Indigenous students are inspired to change stereotypes. And they do this every week. Uh, when they meet as part of the Indigenous Student Leadership Group. So there's a lot of interesting uh, quotes that Joan has uh, taken from that group, and uh, I think our listeners will find it uh, fascinating to hear what some young uh, Indigenous uh, students have to say about some of the racism they've had in this city, as well as some of the things that they're doing about it to change those stereotypes. And uh, just a couple of days ago, Sean Conway, who's been a citizen reporter for CNC for a little while now, he wrote about something that he went through he uh, basically it was burnout at his job and he asked the question why did I hate the job that I loved to do and essentially he talks about burnout which is a mental illness that can affect all people in all professions and it appears as a sort of a chain of subtle changes in personality perspective values and behavior really important story that Sean told very personal but uh, very authentic
0: And very timely, too, with this past week being Mental Health Awareness Week, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're someone who wants to tell stories, but... Doesn't know where to start, or maybe wants to develop their skills and eventually have something published on Community News Commons where it can get out to a to a large audience. Uh, how can people get involved? Well, it's really easy. You
2: just go to cncwpg.org uh, and you can register and become a citizen reporter. And I will help you tell whatever story that you want to. You can contact me through the site, through email, by phone. Or um, there's also another uh, thing that we do every spring and fall, and coming up, we do some training, some multimedia training, which is coming up on May the 23rd, Saturday, May the 23rd, Saturday, May the 30th, and Saturday, June the 6th. So three successive Saturdays over at Millennium Library, 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., there will be training in multimedia journalism, basically how to be a multimedia journalist and how to file stories on CNC. And details of those training sessions are available when you
0: go to the website. Great. And those are free sessions, right?
2: Absolutely. It's all free. And uh, local reporters or local uh, journalists from different media outlets uh, facilitate the sessions.
0: That sounds excellent. Mm-hmm. Now, every week you like to feature some local up-and-coming musicians. What do you have for us this week? Well, I'd like to uh, feature a band called Odana.
2: That's O-D-A-N-A-H. And odanamusic.com is where you can find their music. They're a local band. Uh, They've been playing for uh, a little while now. And on uh, May the 14th, they're going to start a tour. And uh, they will begin with a first show at the Goodwill Social Club on Portage Avenue. And so that's May the 14th. Odana is the name of the band. And uh, we'd like to uh, feature this week a song by theirs called Summer Rain by Odana, right here on River City 360, CJNU 93.7 FM.
5: I used to run in the summer
2: Break my fall before I wake And
5: you used to be there But the choice was yours to make
0: And that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to hear more, please visit rivercity360.org to subscribe to our podcast or to listen to all of our past episodes. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well for all the latest show updates. If you have any comments about our show or ideas for future stories, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 204-944-9474 extension 290. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 290, or send us an email at rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. River City 360 is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on River City 360.